It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. And baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Inside the Ravine, a brand new Dodgers podcast from Odyssey Sports. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris with you as always. And today, Dodgers falling 5-3 in Game 2 of the NLDS to the Padres at home from a Dodgers stadium. And Blake, uh, objectively, it was a heck of a baseball game. Um, A little bit subjectively, one of the more frustrating Dodger games I think we've seen in quite some time. Yeah, so back-to-back games, the final score is 5-3. Back-to-back games, the Dodgers fail to score after the third inning, but... Yeah, this is game two of the NLDS, but this is one of the more frustrating games I can remember in some time just because of the Dodgers having numerous chances offensively, defensively to win this game. I mean, literally every inning they had their chance to either tie the game or take the lead. They didn't do it. They didn't uh, deliver any clutch hits. And again, their defense kind of cost them there near the end. The series is now tied at one. It essentially becomes a three-game series with the Padres having two games at San Diego. So uh, not an ideal situation to be in if you're the Dodgers. Because uh, if you win tonight, the series is all but surely over. But now it's a brand new series. And Padres have all the momentum as they go back to San Diego in front of a fan base that has not seen a playoff game in person in 16 years. So Petco's going to be rocking. And yeah, this was just a a brutal and heartbreaking loss for the Dodgers tonight. Now, I'm curious as to how you feel about this, because yesterday um, when the Dodgers were up big early, they didn't do really anything afterwards. Um, And they weren't getting hits. The Padres bullpen was just lights out. Today, uh, not only was the – sure, the Padres' bullpen was was lights out again after you Darvish went five innings, so obviously there wasn't as much of a – there was a higher sample size uh, tonight than, than last night with the Padres' bullpen, but the Dodgers were getting hits tonight. Um, they were getting runners on base. They had runners in scoring position. Does it give you any more, um, I guess, um, confidence going into game three that – now that the starter's out of the game, the Dodgers are still getting hits, but they just didn't get the big hit. They were getting runners on, but they still couldn't get the big clutch hits. Yeah, that's the weird thing with this game compared to yesterday's because, like I mentioned, in both games, after the third inning, the Dodgers didn't score any runs, so that's not an encouraging sign. But yesterday, they didn't get a single hit against the Padres' bullpen. Tonight, I think they ended up with only two hits against the bullpen, but like you said, after the third inning, although they didn't score... They were still getting hits. It seemed like they were getting hits every inning. It seemed like there were consistently runners on base. Tonight, the problem was they just could not drive them in. I mean, what was it, Josh? They ended up going, let's see, what, 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position. You leave 10 on base. 0 for 8 with runners on, leave 10 on. They did have four hits against the bullpen, and they only struck out twice in four innings against the bullpen, too. So they're getting the hits, and they're getting runners on. But, again, when you're leaving 10 guys on base and you're 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position, it's not going to win you baseball games. Yeah, I know we, we said we were going to go in chronological order, but I think this is just something to kick us off with because this is the reason the Dodgers lost. I mean, obviously, there are so many things that happen in a baseball game that can win or lose a game for you, but the Dodgers' inability to hit with runners in scoring position, I know that countless times throughout the season, there's been a number of games where the Dodgers just go ice cold with runners in scoring position. I understand that they're near the top in regards to runner, hitting with runners in scoring position across all of the major leagues, 
but it just seems like the Dodgers when it matters most, even in previous postseasons, for some reason, I don't know if the moment's too big, if they just change their approach, but they just go ice cold. A team like the Dodgers, Josh, that has the offense they have, a historic offense, a historic team, I don't care if you're playing the 2022 American League All-Star team that has just All-Star pitcher after All-Star pitcher, going 0 for 8 and leaving 10 on base, that's inexcusable. That is something that's inexcusable, and I don't understand what the Dodgers were doing. I know you missed a few of the innings, so you didn't necessarily see every at-bat, but especially near the end, Josh, I'm sure you caught some of these ones. You have runner on third base. You have runner on second base. A.J. Pruszynski, who I know he criticized in last night's game, he had some questionable takes. He had something that I, I thought was spot on, and that's the fact that the Dodgers, countless opportunities, if they just get a bunt down, either down the first baseline or the third baseline, a run's coming in. I know it's not the sexy play. I know a lot of people are against bunting in a run and you know giving yourself an out. If the Dodgers just lay a bunt down, they bring in the tie-in run, they potentially bring in the go-ahead run. It's countless times with the runner on third, all you got to do is hit a fly ball. That, that's all you got to do. Instead, a weak rounder, a strikeout. It was just an abysmal performance, and it really does suck because, like you said, they were hitting the ball. Like, they they hit the ball really well. They out-hit the Padres. Everyone was mm-hmm. making hard contact all night. It's just that when the moments mattered most, when they needed to get these guys in, I mean, what, runners on the corners, I think, with nobody out, runners on second and third with one out, and you can't get a single run in. It's it's just embarrassing. It's inexcusable. And that's what cost the Dodgers the game. If they just go one for eight with runners in scoring position, Josh, they win this game. Just one hit, but yep. they didn't get it. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, we we kind of jokingly played that clip from from Big Poppy at the end of our show yesterday with uh, with him saying, when you're playing against Daddy and you're 15 and five in the last 20 games against the Dodgers, you have to do something different if you're the Padres. And you know what they did tonight? Uh Sure, they, they hit a couple of home runs, um, and they kept – first of all, they came from behind with two runs in the third, and, you know, it was a tough inning for Kershaw, but um, that's, I think, the biggest blemish on Kershaw tonight is the third inning. But yeah. other than that, I mean, they there's an opportunity – and it didn't work, but there was an opportunity for them to try to bunt in a run, and they did. But a great play by Bruce Dark Gratterall pre- prevented a run. That was something different from the Padres. And right yeah. now, um, what's working for the Dodgers uh, today was – getting runners on, um, hitting home runs. But again, when you go 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position and you leave 10 runners on base, at some point you got to do something different. And maybe we see something like that in game three because I think we're going to have to because if it's not if, – if, if baseballs aren't dropping in the outfield, um, if you're not hitting the ball away from the shift, um, if you're not playing clean defense, at some point you have to figure out a way to do something different to push across runs to get runners on base and just – the fact of the matter is that the Padres were a little bit more creative than the Dodgers tonight too. And they played a good game too. I mean, they played a fantastic game. Machado was really good too. Two for five with the home run and a couple of RBIs. He did all his damage early. Um, and you know, he adjusted to Kershaw too. And he said that in the post game interview, um, speaking about Kershaw, uh, let's talk about Clayton, uh, tonight, five innings, six hits, three earned and six strikeouts. Um, I feel like he's probably going to take a lot of heat for tonight's game. Um, while you Darvish is going to get a lot of praise, or at least Dodger fans are going to say that you Darvish was really good and Kershaw wasn't. It is very shocking how similar their numbers are tonight. You yeah. Darvish five innings, seven hits, three runs, seven strikeouts. So one more hit, one more strikeout, same amount of earned runs. 
their first pitch uh, strike rate was almost exactly the same. Um, two very similar de- games, and you Darvish ends up getting the win for it, though. Yeah, I mean, that's the crazy thing. And with Clayton Kershaw, not only did he match you Darvish's line nearly, you know, you know, you said spot on almost. It was the same as Julio's from last night. Five innings, three earned runs. But because Kershaw has this narrative, people are going to think that Kershaw had a bad outing. Obviously, in the first inning, he allowed that home run to Manny Machado. But in the third inning, it was just a lot of weak contact. I think Juan Soto hit one that was like 102 miles an hour that he got for a single. But the rest of the contact, that inning off Clayton Kershaw, was like well below, well below 85, 80 miles per hour. It was some weak contact. He was getting swing and miss stuff all night. And I honestly thought at times Kershaw looked really good. It's just, yeah, like you mentioned, that third inning, things kind of unraveled for him. And just Padres were hitting the ball where players weren't, and they executed perfectly. But overall, I mean, I, I thought it was a decent outing from Kershaw could have been a little better yes but if you were to say he goes five innings and gives you you know gives up three runs you won't be upset with that because you would think your offense would be able to give you more than three runs josh you would you would think that yeah um and and kind of a tough situation for bruce dark Gratterall because he did have a pretty yeah. clean inning um but he gives up one run it was unearned um and he gets a loss for an unearned run um he also had that really nice defensive play um insane insane defensive play to negate a run at the plate that limited the damage a little bit. He also threw 13 pitches and 10 of them were strikes. So kind of a tough outing for, for bruised because he actually looks pretty good. Um, but he ends up getting a loss because of a very costly Trey Turner error in yeah. that sixth inning. Um, that was the, the go ahead run. And obviously Cronenworth had the insurance run with a homer later in the game, but um, this put the Padres ahead in the sixth inning. Yeah, I mean, one out, runner on uh, first base. Now, I don't know if he would have been able to turn two. It probably wouldn't have been in close play. But you get the lead runner at second. There's two outs, and there's a runner on first. And, of course, fittingly, the next batter hits a single, drives in the run, and that ended up costing the Dodgers right there. It's a tie game. And, you know, I know people like to say, well, the Dodgers didn't score anyway, but it's a completely different ball game when you got a mindset that you're down one or the game's tied. If the game's tied in the bottom of the six for the Dodgers, who knows how they look the rest of the game. But, yeah, that was a costly error from Trey Turner, just a routine play that should have been made. And then he had a costly error in the eighth inning. Luckily, it didn't hurt the Dodgers. The Dodgers should have been out of the inning. Instead, it ended up loading the bases. But like I mentioned, luckily Blake Trinan was able to get out of it. And, again, the Cronenworth home run, uh, nothing you can do about it. Just he hit a really good pitch and sent it like 430 feet to uh, right field and Blake Trinan didn't look fantastic. I thought he made some really good pitches, but, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where the opposition beats you and you got to tape your cap to them. So just, just something that happened and yeah, just Dodgers, man, just again, it's just so many things you can nitpick. They just yeah. went wrong. And there's also another thing that we haven't gotten to as well that um, we're going to touch up on before we get to the uh, biggest issue of the night for me. Yeah, and and real quick before we even get there, um, you mentioned both games were five three last night. The Dodgers win five three, but are out hit, and the Padres have an error that leads to a costly run, um, or have a costly error that leads to a run tonight. Dodgers lose five three. They out hit the team that wins the game, and they have a costly error that leads to the winning run. So right. it's it's funny. I mean, other than the fact that the Padres were never up five nothing, um, two very very similar games. Um, in games one and two, at least in terms of scoreline and and the box score yeah. looking very similar. Um, right. Something else, uh, t- two other things that we have that are kind of just make you scratch your head a, just a little bit. 
um, are uh, first off uh, the the Muncie play where yeah. he has the big hit and then holds up at first base when it looked like not only could this potentially tie the game, um, but it would have would have put two runners in scoring position if Muncie had gone and advanced past first down to second base. Yeah, that's the one I wanted to talk about. And this is what really, really hurt the Dodgers because in the sixth inning, runner on first base, Max Muncie just misses a home run and it ends up being a long single. Now, I will I will say, Juan Soto, the way he played the ball, he made it seem like it was going to be a routine flyout. He fooled Max Muncie, he fooled Will Smith. But instead of having runners on third and second, the Dodgers had runners on first and third. And then what followed, Justin Turner struck out, and Gavin Lux hit into an inning-ending double play. If Max Muncy's on second base, well, obviously, Josh, there's no inning-ending double play, and the tie-in run likely scores. Now, I get it. Max Muncy might have been fooled. He thought it was going to be a routine flyout. But in a situation like this, there is zero excuse for him not to be on second base. I get Will Smith not scoring. I get Will Smith being held up at third because he was kind of in no man's land as well. But Max Muncy, he should have been already at first base by the time the ball hit the wall. And he wasn't. And it proved to be a huge error on his part. I haven't uh, seen if he's talked with the media yet to uh, give his thoughts on what exactly happened. But Max Muncy should have been on second base. He wasn't. And that cost the Dodgers at least one run. Because even if it drives the run in, there's two outs, and all of a sudden Max Muncy's on third, the inning is still extended, and who knows what happens after that. So by him not hustling and getting to second base, it cost the Dodgers at least one run. Yep, it did. Um, and then there's also, I mean, and this isn't a huge issue for me, but it is worth pointing out that it's just an unfortunate baseball play. Um, when Mookie sliced that line drive to the center field and Grisham dove for it and couldn't come up with it, that was such yeah. a tough play because Mookie hit the ball so hard that Bellinger goes first to third, if there were two outs in that situation, that's a tie game. Bellinger scores yeah. because he's going the whole way. But Bellinger stopped before he got to second base, and then when uh, Grisham dove for it, he caught, got caught almost leaning back toward first, thinking that he might have caught it. So, I mean, if that's if there's two outs in that situation, yeah. uh, it's a tie game, and maybe, I mean, Mookie would probably go just to second, um, but but Bellinger likely scores from first in that situation too. So. You know, if ands yeah. or buts, whatever, what have you, um, it's it's just an unfortunate situation for Bellinger. Nothing you can do yeah. about it. Um, yeah. The only other thing that that we kind of want to touch to here before we uh, start wrapping things up is uh, the pinch hit situation for Austin Barnes uh, late in the game. This was in the eighth inning, um, and you thought maybe here's a situation to see Chris Taylor. He's on the roster. He must be healthy, uh, and instead we get to see Austin Barnes. Yeah, before before I share my thoughts and your thoughts, Josh, we actually do have the audio from Dave uh, explaining the decision. So we'll we'll go to that and then we'll uh, share our two cents on the decision that he made and see if we agree with him. Austin, I I, I really like haters tough on anyone, um, but I just felt that Austin's short swing. It's a flat path. Hater throws the four seam ride fastball. Um, you know, CT's got a, a swing that's more uphill, and. Um, you know, Austin's had success against Hader, so he's seen him more than as much as anyone has. And he took two good, good swings. Yeah, so again, Josh, there were, there were a number of, number of reasons why the Dodgers lost. This isn't, you know, the number one reason why they lost, but I, I was anxious to hear what Dave had to say because the Dodgers put two runners on with two outs in the eighth inning. Josh Hader's in the game, and Cody Bellinger's coming up to the plate. Cody Bellinger has a home run in his career against Josh Hader. I know that he doesn't match up well against left-handed pitching, 
but this is a guy that just recorded a base hit the inning prior or two innings prior, and he has a number of postseason moments where he's come up in the clutch. But for some reason, if you just don't want to go with Cody Bellinger, I get it. You want to play the matchups. You go to the bench where you have Chris Taylor, a righty, who you know is an all-star. He's had big, big postseason moments as well. Hasn't played in a couple of weeks, but he's a guy you likely go to. Or Miguel Vargas, a guy that Dave Roberts has said he loves his plate approach, he loves his ability. This is a guy that can put the ball in play, which is something you need. But instead of those two options, they go to Austin Barnes. Now, even with this, Josh, Hunter Alberto, who was left off the playoff roster, would have been the best option, actually, out of everyone here, because he actually hits lefties, hits 280 against lefties this year. But instead, Dave opts to go with Austin Barnes because he said he uh, has a shorter swing. Josh, I, I don't care if he has a shorter swing. I don't care if in his career he is 10 for 10 off of Josh Hader. In a situation like this, you cannot bring Austin Barnes to the plate. Now, I will say in Barnes's favor, he did send one nearly to the warning track, so it's not like he struck out on three pitches. He puts together a solid at bat. But I just don't understand the logic of not going with Chris Taylor there. And if not Chris Taylor, then Miguel Vargas. I, I was blown away that Austin Barnes came up in the biggest moment of the game, and as expected... He got out, and uh, it proved to be costly. Look, here's what I will say. Uh, to Austin Barnes' credit, since the beginning of August, and I know that he, he missed some time in this, in this stretch of games too, but since the beginning of August, the guy had been unreal and was yeah. just barreling up the ball really until his final, what, one, two, three, four, five games really. Um, he was very good at the plate, um, so I'll give him that. I also don't yeah. totally disagree with anything Dave said in that clip. He has a shorter swing than Chris Taylor. He has a, a more uh, linear horizontal swing than Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor's swing is a little bit more vertical. It's a little bit more diagonal. Um, I totally get all of that. Yeah. But I do think that this is a situation where it seems, no pun intended, tailor-made for Chris Taylor. Um, now, I don't want to dive too much into this. I, I hate to speculate because I think that that's not part of my job. But it makes me think that maybe Chris Taylor's not healthy. Maybe he's not as healthy as, as they wanted him to be, where they're comfortable putting him in defensively in the top of the ninth inning. They are not comfortable having him come up to the plate and take a swing in a big situation in the bottom of the eighth inning down by two runs with runners on base. Maybe yeah. that's where they're at. And I don't know one way or another. It's not my place to say one way or another, but that's where my mind goes. Yeah, so I, I think also Dave said following the game that Chris Taylor, again, don't want to speculate anything. Dave did say Chris Taylor is healthy. He just didn't think he was an option. But again, I, I, I'm just glad Dave just didn't say I like the matchup better. Like I, I thought Barnes would be the better option. I will get behind the fact that he said, you know, he has a shorter swing, which you might be looking for against Hater. But yeah, the fact that you go to Austin Barnes, who again, put the ball in play, hit it pretty far, has been solid since the beginning of August. I just can't believe they opted to go with him instead of Chris Taylor. But Again, at the end of the day, that's not what lost him the game. If this, nope. would, if this would have been, you know, the ninth inning and the Dodgers had played flawless baseball and that's how they lost, then maybe there's a little more criticism. And I do think because of this decision, Dave is going to draw more criticism than he should. But again, overall, he explained why. I thought it was a solid reasoning. Personally, I wouldn't have done it. But like I mentioned earlier, Josh, the reason the Dodgers lost this game is going 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position, leaving 10 on base. It wasn't defensively what happened. It wasn't what happened with Muncie. It wasn't what happened with Austin and Barnes. Those are many reasons why they lost. But if you just get one ball that's put in play, 
If Trey Turner, when he comes up in the sixth inning, doesn't hit one right to Manny Machado, if he just gets a flyout, game's tied. If Justin Turner doesn't strike out swinging at one just right down the heart of the plate, if he just puts it in place somewhere, this is an entirely different ballgame. So you can blame a lot of different people, a lot of different things, but the one to blame for this game two loss, in my opinion, is the offense as a whole for not capitalizing when they had numerous opportunities. Two games in a row where the Dodgers were in a position to win the game and likely should have won the game um, and did not play their best game by any means. We still have yeah. not seen a complete game from the Dodgers. Um, for what it's worth, Yency Almonte and Tommy Canley tonight, absolutely yeah. disgusting. Um, they were yeah. both just gross. Um, Yency Almonte uh, struck out the side and uh, hitless inning in, uh, what was that, the seventh inning. Uh, mm-hmm. Then Trinan came in and Tommy Canley, man, Threw 10 pitches, nine of them were strikes, and he struck out the side with ease. That was disgusting. Yeah. Just nasty. Um, so yeah. so Almonte and, and, and Canely, I think they looked pretty good. Um, and then right when we started the show, actually, um, we, we got word that um, that Dave Roberts has announced Game 3 started to be Tony Gonsolin. So going into Game 3, heading down to San Diego uh, for a game in about 48 hours from now, um, Dodgers and Padres down there, I mean – I think we kind of know what to expect from the pitching staff, I would say, generally. At this point, it's Dodgers are going to get a couple of runs. They hit three home runs tonight. They're going to get a couple of runs. They just need to cash in with runners on scoring with runners in scoring position and runners on base. Yeah, first off, I like that, you know, don't want the whole episode to be negative. So, Yancy Almonte, Tommy Keenley, they looked fantastic. So, props to you for showing them some love. But, yeah, I'm a bit surprised that Tony Gonsolin starting game three just because I thought Tyler Anderson would be the choice. So, it's probably going to be a bullpen game, Josh, because I think Gonsolin's only built up to go three innings, maybe four at the absolute max if he's able to keep that pitch count down. So, game three is going to be a bullpen game, and this is when things are going to get interesting because, in case you forgot, Josh there's no off day between games four and five they just play immediately after so if this thing goes five we have games on Friday Saturday Sunday so I guess maybe the Dodgers are looking at it like if they were to lose with Tyler Anderson on Friday they don't want to have a bullpen game on Saturday followed by another game on Sunday maybe they're thinking if we can win the bullpen game on Friday that puts us in a really good spot with Tyler Anderson but this is going to be interesting to see how the Dodgers use the bullpen. Do they bring in Andrew Heaney after Tony Gonsolin? That's going to be my guess. We haven't seen Dustin May at this series, and they said they want to use him for multiple innings. So it's going to be interesting because the Dodgers pitching for the most part this series has been solid. And, you know, they're hitting home runs. They're getting hits. It's just, like you said, hit with runners in scoring position. So if the Dodgers can just go 2 for 10 with runners in scoring position on Friday... That might be more than enough, and uh, they might be able to get it done. But Peco Park is going to be rocking. Like I said, first time yep. in 16 years those fans have seen a playoff game. I mean, those games are already playoff games when the Dodgers go down there anyway, but this is going to be insane. So the Dodgers are going to have a lot on their plate. This is probably going to be their you know, most daunting game they've played in months. I mean, it, they haven't had a meaningful game like this in a long time. So hopefully the bats come ready. Uh, I think they will, but... You do not want to go down 2-1, Josh, and have to face just Joe Musgrove in Game 4. Because if that's the situation you find yourself in, I don't know if you're coming back to Los Angeles for a Game 5. Well, we'll see what we get, and we're going to talk to you in a couple of days. It's uh, Blake Snell for the Padres and Tony Gonsolin for the Dodgers. Uh, Friday night in San Diego, and first pitch is at 537 
uh, Pacific time. You can follow Blake on Twitter at Blake Harris TBLA. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh Schaefer 25. And you can find us across all social platforms at Inside the Ravine. Make sure you subscribe and uh, download wherever you get your podcasts. And we've covered that wherever means wherever but obviously i think we'd recommend the odyssey app apple and (laughs) and spotify uh at inside the ravine uh for blake harris i'm josh schaefer we'll talk to you in a couple of days the nlds is neck and neck tied at one game apiece between the dodgers and the Padres. so enjoy the rest of your evening enjoy your off day and take in some other less stressful baseball and we'll talk to you on friday wherever you may be 